bottle of very costly perfume, broke it open, took the top off, poured it on the feet of Jesus, which was customary to do in that day when a guest came to your house. You pour oil on their feet to refresh them, pour oil on their head to refresh them. It wasn't out of the ordinary. One of disciples, one of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would later on betray Jesus, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? Or a year's wages is what it equated to. Was not, why was this fragrant oil not sold for the money it's worth, the year's worth of wages you could have gotten for this and then given to the poor? But this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He had the money box. He had the offering plate. And he used to take what was put in it. Judas stole from the offering plate on a regular basis. Verse 7, what Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. What they didn't realize and what maybe Mary didn't realize is that she was prophetically doing something because Jesus was going to die on the cross. She was preparing his body for burial. I don't know if she had any idea that the gift she gave, the weight that it carried. And there's sometimes the gift that you give when you return to God, you have no idea the weight and what it means. Verse 8, for the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. I want to take a few moments this morning, and I want to talk on this thought, greed or gratitude. Greed or gratitude. Or if I could use a subtitle, Two hearts, one battle. Two hearts, one battle. Father, bless the reading of the word today. Thank you for our time together. This is the word of the Lord today. Bless it today. Let the ears that hear it, the eyes that see it, the hearts that receive it be transformed today by the power that's contained in it. I love you and I thank you. In Christ's name, the church said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Pastor Tony, thank you for your help. Let me jump into this quickly today. There is a story told about a man named Joe. Joe was battling with an issue, so he went to his pastor. And as he entered into the office, he said, Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling. He said, I'm really having a hard time tithing. The pastor said to him, he said, Joe, what, what seems to be the problem? What's the hang-up? He said, well, back when I made $50 a week, he said, I paid a $5 tithe, and that was easy. He said, then I started making $500 a week. He said, that was a $50 tithe, and that was okay. He said, but now that I'm making $5,000 a week, he said, the $500 tithe, he said, it's it's getting to be too much. I'm, I'm struggling. Pastor, could you pray for me? Which the pastor replied, yes, Joe, I will. So they knelt down in the pastor's office. And the pastor said, Lord... I want you to reduce Joe's income back to $500 a week so he can honor you with the tithe. And while that is a humorous story, it illustrates the common trap that many of us fall into in our our thinking about giving. Listen, it always makes sense to be generous toward God. Because God is always generous toward us. Even greater than that, God is extravagant in His love toward us. And the fact that He gave 
not, not a monetary gift, but he gave his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that you and I would not have to be lost for eternity without him. That's pretty extravagant, if you ask me. And Jesus spent 30% of his time, Brother Turpin, talking about money. You know why he did that? Because he knew that money was something that every single one of us would struggle with. And giving, as it relates to our money, has always been and will always be a matter of the heart. Listen, last week I preached, I mean straight up on tithing and money and finances. And I don't, some of you probably weren't here, but when I made the altar call and I gave an invitation, the first invitation I made was for people that needed to give their hearts completely to God. And would you believe it? On a Sunday when the pastor preached about tithes and offerings, three people gave their hearts to Christ for the first time. That's pretty amazing to me. Two adults and one of our middle school students in this church after church came and said, Pastor, I was one of them. I gave my heart to Jesus. Now he wants to get baptized. Listen, you'll never convince me money is not a matter of the heart. And when you give your heart to God and Christ has complete and total control of your heart and your heart has been given up to Him, your money will be given up and surrendered as well. Somebody help the preacher and say amen this morning, please. And in this story that I just read to you, it's a powerful story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to plow through it quickly. There are two very different hearts that we see as it relates to giving. There is such a graphic contrast in this story of two hearts that are at opposite ends of the spectrum. You've got a lady named Mary, a sister of Lazarus, who has a heart of gratitude. And I think it's, a, it, it's, it's good timing today to talk about gratitude and generosity as the Thanksgiving season is closing in on us. She had a heart of gratitude which led to generosity. And then I read to you about a disciple of Jesus named Judas who was there at the house in Bethany that day when Jesus stopped by who had a heart of greed which led to thievery, to stealing. You've got two hearts, but you have one battle that every single one of us have. It's the struggle to be generous or greedy. And it is a struggle that every single one of us at some point in our lives we deal with. And here's the question that you have to ask yourself. Am I generous or am I selfish? Which one has the upper hand in my life? Because there is no middle of the road when it comes to that. You're either generous or you're selfish. You're one or you're the other. Socrates said, know thyself. Freud said, be thyself. But Jesus said, give thyself. Let me lay out for you <clears throat> this story real quickly. And I, I preach better and I preach faster if you at least let me know you're in the building. Nod your head, bat your eye, pull your ear, do something so I know you're here. And we'll get out a little bit faster. 
<clears throat> here's, the, here's the scene. Jesus is once again in Bethany. He's at the house of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. I told you Lazarus had been raised from the dead, four days dead in the grave. Jesus had come by that house and raised him up. And here's what you have in the story. You've got Lazarus', Lazarus sister Martha who is serving the Bible said that they're getting ready to have supper. And she is doing what she's good at. She's serving. She's cooking. She's, she's got pots and pans everywhere and water boiling and, and a table being set. She is serving. If you read in the story, you got a picture of Lazarus who the Bible said is sitting at the table with Jesus. Why would he not want to sit and hang out with the guy who had called him out of a four-day old grave? So Martha's serving. Lazarus is sitting. Mary, in a moment, we're going to see, is sacrificing. And Judas, I'm going to show you in just a moment, is scheming. So you've got this scene laid out for you. Martha's serving. She's making supper. Lazarus is sitting at the table talking with Jesus. Mary is preparing an offering of such generosity and sacrifice that comes from a heart of gratitude. And Judas is in the background. He is scheming how he can get more. Let me show you real quickly the magnitude of generosity that is seen in this story. Mary has in her possession a bottle of perfume that is worth an entire year's wages. I mean, could you imagine, ladies, a bottle of perfume, men, if you wear cologne? Could you imagine giving your gross income for an entire year? to go buy a bottle of perfume or a bottle of cologne and then once you purchase it, you take the top off and you dump it out over somebody's feet. A year's worth of wages. That is the price tag that was on the bottle of oil that Mary held in her possession that day. And as we work our way through the story, you're going to find that, at, that as supper is coming to an end, or somewhere at some point in the midst of that meal, she's going to get up, take the top, break the seal, and she's going to take that oil, that perfume, pour it over the feet of Jesus. She's going to, to loosen her hair and let her hair down. And when a lady did that in those times, it spoke of complete and total abandonment. Giving everything up. She's going to loosen her hair up. It's going to fall to the ground because the Bible tells us she's going to take her hair and she's going to wipe the feet and wash the feet and clean the feet of Jesus with the perfume and that oil that is on them. If that's not generosity, I don't know what is. And she's wiping his feet, washing his feet with her hair. And her, her, her level of Generosity was directly connected to her level of gratitude. Your generosity is always connected to how thankful that you are. Oh, Lord, help me this morning. And that's why some of you struggle when an offering plate comes by. I don't need any help right here because I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting to get it. That's why some of you last week when I talked about the 90-day tithe challenge, I, 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 just, I, I can't do that. What, what is all that? That's why some of you, you, you can't ever give to anybody else because it's all about yourself because you're unthankful 
and you're not grateful for what God has done in your life. Mm, that's heavy. But it's truth. I'm going to help you. And the truth will do what? The truth will do two things. It'll make you mad. It'll set you free. And if you get mad, get over it and get set free. And her, her gratefulness, Brother Stout, it turned into an act of worship through a sacrificial offering. Listen, gratefulness will always lead to generosity. Did you hear your pastor? And if you're a guest today, come back next week. I'm going to start a Christmas series since we're getting close to the holidays. I won't preach about money next week, so come on back. And I promise I'll save it for another time. Gratefulness always leads to generosity. And I wonder, I wonder if her gratitude, I wonder if her generosity, Pastor Tony, was connected to the, to the new life she experienced. When Jesus came by and all hope was gone and Lazarus lay four days dead in a grave. And when Jesus walked up, he said, roll away the stone. They said, Lord, he's been dead four days. Surely he stinks by now. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of the Lord? And they rolled the stone away. And a man that was bound from head to toe in grave clothes, Jesus looked up to the Father and said, God, I thank you that you always hear me when I pray and he said now God I need you to glorify yourself in this place and he looks at that tomb and he says this Lazarus come forth and the Bible said that he who was dead came forth bound hand and foot and Jesus said loose him and let him go four days it had looked hopeless four days it looked helpless but something happened when the resurrection and the life showed up on the scene. And it was that experience, I believe, that changed Mary's perspective. There was something about what had happened that day that changed the way that she thought and it changed the way that she acted and it changed the level of her gratitude. And can I tell you today that every single one of us, let me preach right here, that name the name of Jesus Christ and have him in our hearts and call him Lord and Savior. We should have the same perspective perspective of gratefulness and gratitude that Mary had because one day when we were dead in our sins and in our trespasses Jesus came by and according to Paul in Ephesians 2 4 and 5 but God who is rich and in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us even when we were dead in trespasses he made us alive together with Christ you have been saved by by grace. And when I look back at where I've been and I look back at what God has done for me and I look back and consider the fact that I was dead in my sin, I was dead in trespasses, I was on my way to a devil's hell, but God in his extravagant love toward us and for us, he sent the greatest gift he could ever send in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they stretched him wide and they hung him high. They drove nails into his hands and into his feet. They pushed a crown of thorn on his head. They put a sword in his side and hanging there on the cross that day he cradled his 
chin on his chest. He yielded up his spirit and he said, Father, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, the work that you have sent me to do is finished. And he gave up the ghost, the Bible said. He drew his last breath. But thank God that was not the end of the story. When Roman soldiers pulled him off of that cross and gave his body over to Nicodemus, he took him to a borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, placed him in that tomb, and guess what they did? They rolled a stone over that tomb. But on the third day, something happened. Behind that stone that no man could see, no woman knew what was going on. But resurrection power, it invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And Jesus got up victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave. And the angel sitting on top of that stone said to those who came looking for him, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen just as he said. He died a death so that you and I could live a life. He died so that you and I could have life, heaven everlasting, and heaven more abundantly. And when I look back at that, my gratitude just flows out. My gratefulness wells up in me because I consider that I could be lost and spiraling headlong eternity into a devil's hell. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, he raised me up. He breathed new life into me. And because of that today, I am thankful. Come on if you're glad about that and praise the Lord today. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the work of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the tomb. Thank God that he's alive and he's coming back again. And because he died, I can live today. urging to preach Jesus today. And I don't know about you, but I've got something to be thankful for today. Because of what Jesus has done. I'm glad for Jesus. Old song they used to sing, I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. He's more than just a story, but he is the king of glory. And I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. I'm going to put this thing in park right here for just one second because I feel the, the urging of the Holy Spirit to stop right here and preach. We're getting close to a time and a season that we call Christmas. And when we get close to Christmas time, we get this little warm, fuzzy feeling about a little baby that, that came forth from a virgin. They, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and they placed him in a manger. We, we get this picture of, of seeking shepherds. We, we get this picture of wise men bowing down at the manger. We get this real warm feeling that it, that is little baby Jesus can I tell you the baby grew up 
The baby didn't stay in the manger, but the baby grew up and he walked this earth as a man. Listen, he died as a meek, lowly lamb, spilled his blood so that you and I could live. But I want you to know that the baby that died as a lamb, he's not coming back as a meek, lowly lamb, but he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah, strong and mighty in battle. I'm telling you, he's coming back. His hair is like wool. His eyes are like a flame of fire. He's got a two-edged sword that goes out of his mouth and on his thigh there is a name written. It says King of Kings and it says Lord of Lords. I'm telling you, I'm glad today for Jesus Christ. I'm glad today that he died as a little suffering lamb, but he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. I know this world feels like it's spinning out of control. I know it feels like we're in the midst of crisis. I want to tell you, God has not been caught off guard. I don't care what ISIS does. I don't care what Obama says. I know that Jesus Christ, he sits on the throne and he reigns forever and he reigns forever and I am secure in the palm of his mighty hand. If you're glad about that, somebody praise him. today. I'm glad for Jesus today. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet in this place. Raise up your hands and give Jesus praise. him again, Brother Darrell. Would you praise him for me? I feel a praise in my soul today. I feel gratitude in my soul today. Brother Gene Turpin, I feel thanksgiving welling up in my soul today when I think of everything that is done. And when I look at Mary and that magnitude of generosity, everything that God has given, I ought to be able to give back to him a praise. I ought to be able to give back to him my worship. I ought to be all be able to offer up to him my thanksgiving. I'm glad for Jesus today. Spirit of the Lord would say that I I am the Lord and beside me there is none else I am here today and I love you with an everlasting love says the Spirit of the Lord 
I am calling you today. I am wooing you today. I'm inviting you today, says the Spirit of God, to run into the arms of Jesus and experience His love and experience His grace and experience His mercy. You don't have to run from me today, says the Spirit of God. There is safety in me. There is a refuge that is found in me. There is grace that is found in me. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Turn your back today on the things of this world and run into my arms today. Jesus is waiting on you, says the Spirit of God. He will not disappoint you. He will not let you down. But you will find the greatest expression of love that you've ever found in the arms of Jesus today, says the Spirit of the Lord. 